Svechnikov, his shot tips and it's tipped in. It trickles over the goal line. McElhaney had it, then he lost it, and maybe Sebastian Ajo with a nose for the net. And Carolina gets a power play goal and an early 1-0 lead. Stretch pass in front of shot and a goal! Jordan Martinuk with a dirt high cheddar on Curtis McElhaney. Twelve and a half left to go in the opening period. Two nothing Carolina. Carabinen, 11 seconds left trip. Now it's worked around for Ajo. Ajo with a shot. They score! Sebastian Ajo maybe a tip out in front. 6.7 seconds left. Am I right? When are you not? 3-0 Carolina. <laughs> Point for the front. There he is. What a save! This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Take a breath. Ooh. John Forslund has to be exhausted after that game. Canes beat the Lightning 3-2. But man, the score could not possibly do this game justice because it was wild, it was chippy. There could have been way more goals than just five overall. This had the feel of like a uh, like a nine eight game to me, with as many good scoring chances as there were, especially early, and especially as many shots, quality shots, as the Lightning put on James Reimer. Great first period. And by the way, uh, Reimer was a star of the game. Uh, we'll talk about that more with Alec Campbell in just a little bit. Uh, great first period in every possible way. It wasn't a perfect first period by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought Carolina played exceptionally well. They generated a bunch of chances. They controlled the neutral zone. They capitalized on their opportunities, scored three times, got the late period goal as well. But Reimer still had to make a bunch of saves, had to make a ton of really good stops. Yanni Gord had two great chances that Reimer handled both of, uh, but he was just great throughout the entire first period. Uh, The goals uh, started uh, coming early for Carolina in the first four minutes. They get a power play opportunity and a goal. Sebastian Ajo with some hard work in front pokes it through after a little bit of a scrum. Uh, so that's a good hard-working goal on the power play, and it tells you something about you still need to outwork the team when you're on the power play. Then after a great defensive shift, uh, you heard it. You heard the finish of it anyway. Uh, Jordan Martinuk pots his first goal of the season. A great pass from Clark Bishop, just playing his second game after being recalled from the Charlotte Checkers. Bishop did really good defensive work, uh, probably 30 seconds prior to the pass to Martinuk for the goal. Uh, and then uh, Jacob Slavin makes the pass up ice. Bishop was already back up ice, and he makes a great feed to Martinuk for the second goal. It was 2-0 Carolina, still early in the game. First, what, almost, I think less than eight minutes left. Uh, less, less than eight minutes gone in the period. And then with 6.7 seconds left on the clock, uh, as John and Tripp were uh, joking about how much time was left, uh, Jacob Slavin, talk about role reversal. Sebastian Ajo shot from the point. Jacob Slavin, uh, below the circle, deflects it past McElhinney. It's 3 nothing. You get that back-breaking goal at the end of the first period. Uh, but it was... 
kind of like Nashville, the Nashville game where Carolina fell behind, it was kind of an even period. I mean, Tampa had plenty of chances, and were it not for James Reimer being so good like Pecorine was against the, uh, when Carolina played the Predators the other, uh, I think it was Friday night, um, then, you know, it could have been a different story. It could have been 3-3 after one period, but Reimer was that good, uh, and it was good to see James play really well. But once the 20 minutes were over, it was a completely different game. It was a one-sided game, to be honest. Uh, Carolina had some moments, but for the most part, Tampa was significantly better than Carolina over the last 40 minutes. How about this? 51 to 23 edge in shot attempts for Tampa. 51-23 edge in shot attempts over the last 40 minutes of the game. Uh, Tampa did not score in the second period, which is one of the great miracles uh, because they had a ton of great scoring opportunities. Uh, There's a two-on-one that Reimer was able to handle. uh, And I think Kucherov had, or Stamkos had eight shots on net. Kucherov had five or six. I mean, the big guys had a lot of chances to score and you're just not going to hold them off very long. Braden Point in the third period, relatively early on the power play. uh, Really, it was... Uh, a, supposed to be a pass in front. Dougie Hamilton really played it well, uh, and he got a stick on the pass, but rather than sticking it wide, he sticked it underneath James Reimer. So no fault of Dougie. He did a good job, I thought, on the penalty kill and did a good job all night long on the penalty kill. Carolina's penalty kill was actually really good, even though Tampa does get credit for a power play goal. And then Tyler Johnson, who's one of the all-time great Canes killers. How about this? In his last 14 games against Carolina, Tyler Johnson has 13 goals. He's got two hat tricks and 19 points in his last 14 games against the Hurricanes. That's remarkable. He scores. It's 3-2, and there's a ton of time left. And Tampa's still pushing and still pushing. Way too many penalties for Carolina in the game. Uh, They commit three in a seven-minute span, uh, wrapping around the first and second periods. Uh, Then in the third, Gardner goes to the box. Edmondson goes to the box almost immediately after Gardner comes out. Uh, Ryan Dezingle took a penalty while Carolina was on the power play, uh, probably seven or eight seconds in. uh, So it negates the power play. Too many penalties against a team as good as Tampa. Uh, But that's the way the game went, and Carolina in the last five or so minutes really dug down and kind of gutted this one out, a type of win that uh, it's hard to see that this team is going to do on a regular basis, Uh, but it's a great game for Jordan Stahl. Uh, It was a great game for Jacob Slavin. We'll talk about him with Alec as well. Uh, Obviously, it was a great game for James Reimer, made 36 saves. Uh, But I thought Carolina, for the most part, was really good defensively. And even a guy like Jake Gardner, aside from the the penalty he took in the third period, I thought Gardner maybe might have played his best game as a Hurricane tonight. He was, I, I thought he was significantly, like legitimately good tonight and that's uh, that's high praise coming from me considering I've been hypercritical of Jake Gardner I thought he was dynamite tonight uh, again until the power play until the penalty he took in the third period so obviously a lot of good for Carolina tonight and if you think about the way they must have felt after really no show not no showing but uh, not being unable to score a goal in front of a sold-out crowd in Carolina Friday night 
to turn around and knowing you have to go to Tampa and then to Boston and you can almost feel the season becoming more of a slog. Uh, Carolina ends up uh, walking out with two points against the Lightning. So uh, dynamite stuff from uh, from the Hurricanes, even though it was a bit of a rope-a-dope in the second and third periods. And now we'll, uh, we'll bring on, uh, right after we pause briefly so I can catch my breath, we'll talk to Alec Campbell. All right, Alec, was that like, uh, was that 40 minutes of the greatest rope-a-dope you've ever seen? Man, that was wild. Holy <laughs> sticks and pucks, Batman. Just how you draw it up. Take six penalties and let your backup goaltender stand on his head. <laughs> uh, that is that is good coaching right there. Yeah, man. It was wild, dude. I couldn't I couldn't handle it. I really thought that they were gonna score, honestly. I mean can, um, the the Lightning have the third best power play in the league and the first best. <laughs> I guess that's just the best right. power play at home in the league. And anytime they have an extra man out there, it's really a dangerous situation with the dudes they got out there playing. I mean, they're just so fast and so quick moving the puck. Um, I really thought they were going to score. But, man, I guess – I mean, and the Hurricanes with the six-on-five situation or six-on-four, whatever it was, they could not get the puck out of the zone either. Right. So it was just a wild scenario. The whole third period, I mean, the Hurricanes took three penalties in the yeah. third period. They negated their own penalty, their own power play, with a bonehead play by Dezingle right yep. off the faceoff that started the power play. In mm-hmm. all honesty, I don't know how the Hurricanes hung on, but they did, and that's all that matters. And I think it was a huge win for them because – you're playing the second night of the back-to-back. You've lost two games in a row. You're rolling your backup goaltender against Tampa. A team, I mean, I don't know how much this matters in the NHL, you know, revenge factors and those those types of things, but the Hurricanes snuffed Tampa oh, right yeah. out Absolutely. at TNC. I mean, you could argue that was their best defensive game of the year just based on the fact that it was Tampa who was there. And, you know, I know that that was back in early October and in, in game three of the season, but I'm sure they wanted to, to play better against the Hurricanes and prove, you know, how much better they were. And the other thing, too, is the Hurricanes were are a 500 hop, hockey club in the month of November. They're not the 5-0-0 team that started the season, but are they the 8-7 and team that, just went through November against, you know, some teams that they probably should have beaten. Yeah. So, you know, I think we're all still trying to figure that out. So, you know, maybe this can be sort of a catalyst, but it's going to be tough for them now because they've got some injuries. There's some guys that are hurt. I Mm. think Lucas Walmark is playing hurt a little bit. Obviously, Nate just didn't play tonight. There might be some other guys who are nicked up, and they're going to have to go to the well, um, to the minor league roster to bring somebody up again uh, because I don't think they can continue going 11-7 and you know, for an extended period of time. Yeah, I think you and you and I were texting about it uh, at the very beginning of the game. I, for a, for an emergency situation like this against a team like Tampa, and I could argue that maybe even against a team like Boston, you could get away with eleven and seven. 
yeah. only because the guy you bring up is probably not going to play a ton. The other element is who are they going to bring up from the minor leagues? There's nobody playing well enough offensively to uh, suck up those Martin Natchez minutes. So it's going to be interesting who they do call up. My, I suspect that if uh, they determine tomorrow that Natchez can't go in Boston, they will recall somebody. But I think that'll ultimately be a Brian Gibbons more than anybody yeah. else. Um, I mean, yeah. look, there are, there are some clear holes that this organization has to deal with. Uh, regarding the roster right now because no Halla, uh, Natchez, if he's out for any extended period of time, Walmart dealing with something, they're going to need a center at some point. I don't think that center that they they really want to come from within. I think they would rather have that center come from outside the organization. Uh, but I want to move through a couple of things quickly uh, before we let you uh, toss one back. Um, Clark Bishop didn't play a ton tonight, but... For my money, he was one of the best players on the ice. Uh, so he played less than 10 minutes. I think he had 11 total shifts. Uh, and uh, me and my 11-year-old spotter agreed that Bishop should have been one of the stars, uh, especially his play in the first period, which I thought was exceptional. Um, he makes the, a defensive play, which ultimately leads to his pass to Martinuk for the goal. He's exactly the fourth-line center that Rod Brindamore wants. Yeah, I agree. I thought his first period was outstanding. And the only blemish he had on the movement, an offensive zone penalty that he took. Otherwise, man, he was hitting people. He was making plays for people. There were a couple of great passes he had yeah. that didn't turn out to be goals. And I agree. I, I found myself wondering whether or not he's a guy who might should stay up a little bit. I mean, if, if Paul is going to be out for any length of time, that allows them to move Walmart to a third-line center role, which everyone seems to think he's more suited for. Mm -hmm. And Clark Bishop brings you the more, you know, the more, uh, you know, the more fourth-line type attitude that he has. And he's got experience. He's played up here. You know, got his first point of the of the, of the year in the, at the NHL level t tonight. So I, I agree. I thought he was outstanding. We've been wondering when James Reimer was going to get there. He had a, a 19 save shutout against Detroit. Um, if Jay, Jay, he can't play any better than he played tonight. Uh, what James Reimer did tonight was robbery. I had somebody uh, on Twitter say, what's wrong with Tampa? I'm like, what's wrong with Tampa? Did you watch the game? James Reimer took two points from them tonight. Yeah. They, they lose the game if it's not for him. No, that's, that's exactly right. He stole a game from them. The Hurricanes have been on the other side of that plenty of times. If you've watched any Hurricanes hockey, you know that that's the case. I mean, hell, it's happened. I mean, uh, Henrik Lundqvist really has done it twice to the Hurricanes this year. <laughs> yes. He's been outstanding. And you gotta, you, you rely on a few of those a year. You know, your goaltender right. has to steal one for you. The, the save he made on Gord, the helicopter save in the first <laughs> period was, I mean, it's just an insane save. I don't even... I don't even know what that is, except just desperation. Yeah. Just pure desperation. And he kicked it up over the glass. I mean, it was insane. But, I mean, you pick the one that you want You want the most. Do you, do you want that one? Do you do you want the, the two-on-one save on Palat right. in the second period? Do you want any, any of the Stamkos saves? Um, yeah, he was awesome tonight. He's 3-0 and in his last three games. That includes his first shutout of the season against Detroit a couple of games ago. And the conversation around him is now changing. I asked 
Tom Forslund after the game if we can at least put put to bed the conversation about you know maybe dipping into the Nadelkovichs or the Forsbergs of the world and Don even went as far as to say that you know if he continues doing this he's gonna you know push Peter Morozik for yes. So it's, it's going in the other direction a little bit here. And that's, and that's good. Awesome. This is where we were last year. where yeah. People forgot that through the month of February, Curtis McElhinney was the number one goaltender. They forgot that because Mrazek got so hot in March and they took over in March and got to the playoffs based on what they did in March. They forgot how good McElhinney was in February. James Reimer, I mean, wouldn't you start him Tuesday in Boston? I hadn't put much thought into it. I just, I guess, I just sort of assumed they would go back to, uh, they would go back to Morozik. But yeah, I'd be fine. I'd be fine with it if they did that. One final, uh, one final thing. How'd you like the chippiness of this game? I loved it. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, it, I think it got, you know, a little bit, a little bit more escalated towards the end of the game. I thought, man, I thought Sorelli dove. On the on the Teravinen hit late in the game, so yeah, I like I always like chippiness. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like that's that's an integral part of of hockey in general. Um, you gotta you gotta get emotional. Yeah, in hockey. I think it brings so, out the best in you. Yeah, I, you know, it, I think it's probably more important. It's, it's weird because last year, you know, there there seemed to be some kind of you know Tom Dundon. There was an emphasis on trying to, you know, bring that kind of stuff into the locker room a little bit more. And for whatever reason, that's, you know, it's not really there this year so much. And I think, you know, it's just inherent to the game that you have to be emotional a little bit. It can't just always be about the numbers and the finesse and all that stuff. I mean, it's a it's a greasy game. And so I like it when it gets a little bit chippy. So uh, I, was, I was happy to see it. I thought it, uh, I thought it made for an exciting – uh, third period. I think it even started even uh, in the second period, but it was good to see, and it's good to see a uh, a response in Carolina give it back uh, because that's what you have to do in a game like that. I also think that without getting on the score sheet, Jordan Stahl was really, really good tonight. All right, Alec Campbell, uh, we'll do this again on uh, uh, later in the week. We'll do this maybe on Tuesday when the Hurricanes are in Boston. Fair? All right, man. Sounds good. All right. Great win. Hurricanes beat the Lightning 3-2. to A uh, couple of good things that come out of the win. Obviously, Carolina gets another one. They're 16-10-1 on the season. 33 points in 27 games. Moves them a point ahead of Pittsburgh for the uh, first wild card. If we're looking at the standings in those regards at this point, Carolina's two points behind Philadelphia for number three in the Metropolitan Division uh, and just three points behind the Islanders, but the Islanders have three games in hand. Uh, But look at what it did to Tampa because this was a four-point game. Tampa was four points behind Carolina, and uh, now the Hurricanes, uh, and Tampa does have three games in hand. It is worth pointing out. uh, Tampa's six points behind the Hurricanes, and the Canes are 2-0 against the Lightning this year. So good for the standings and good in whatever head-to-head you've got going with the Tampa Bay Lightning. All right, I thank you very much for hanging out on the Morning After podcast, and we will do this again on Tuesday following the Hurricanes trip to Boston. 
You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sportsfan app, and you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast.